0: Well, 30 years ago, I made the most difficult decision in my life. I walked away from one of the best jobs in the world. Some of you may remember, I was a columnist for the Des Moines Register 30 years ago. Now that surprised me. (laughs) Anyway, thank you. (laughs) So why would somebody do that? I mean, being a columnist for the Des Moines Register is really a cool job. We get to ask all kinds of nosy questions. And we get invited to all kinds of really cool things. And it's actually quite glamorous. In fact, as an example, the Iowa State Fair invites us to be part of the celebrity cow chip throwing contest. (laughs) I can tell by the response you might know what that is. But for those of you who don't, a cow chip is a disk Of dried cow shit. (laughs) And we stand up on one of the hills at the fairgrounds and we fling it as far as we can. Now there's a skill set for you. I think if I really had to, I could probably get it as far as the third row. Anyway, I never won. But that's a part of what it was like to be a columnist for the Des Moines Register. (laughs) Oh, there's more where that came from. (laughs) Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about tonight. We're here to talk about why I left my job at the Des Moines Register 30 years ago. So what was going on? Well, I'm a legacy hire for the Register. My dad had been a war correspondent who covered World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. Yeah, He was a great guy. He was also a daily columnist. But despite that legacy, I never pictured that I would follow in his footsteps. Um, Because as a kid, I had two real phobias in life. The first, was writing. (laughs) I'm not kidding, (laughs) I had a real phobia about writing. It might have had something to do with a father who was pretty famous as a writer. And the second phobia I had was public speaking. (laughs) So what did I do in life? I became a talk radio host on WHO radio some of you remember, (laughs) and then joined the Des Moines Register. Well, it was a great job, and I was able to make it all the way until I turned 40, and I looked around the newsroom, having turned 40, and having led a rather adventuresome life up until turning 40, and I realized that I was 40, (laughs) and that meant that I had the possibility of spending the next 25 years doing the same thing every day. Routine. I mean, it wasn't an easy job, but it, it did have some routine to it, and it was predictable. But I tried on the idea, and I loved the newsroom. I'd been a copy kid in the building when I was 16. I loved the place, I loved the people in it, I still do. And I really thought about it, because if you're going to leave and have a new career, 40 is about the time that you you probably better move on. But I came to the conclusion that I loved that job, and that I was going to do that until I retired. And this sense of calm and peace came over me. I'd made my decision. Well, fast forward, 1992, U.S. Senator Tom Harkin decided he was going to run for president. (laughs) Well, I'd worked for Tom in 1974 as a kid when he first was elected to Congress, and he won, and we all went off to Washington, and I brought my dog and lived on Capitol Hill, and I was then 25, and I was going to change the world. Well, I had the job of being a congressional secretary or scheduler. Now, something you might, some of you might not know about me, is that I'm not really a detail-oriented person. (laughs) And a congressman scheduler, needs to have the right date, the right place, and the right time on a schedule card. Eh, Sometimes it wasn't always to be. (laughs) Anyway, I decided that it wasn't a good fit, and I came back to Iowa. And I lurched around and did a bunch of stuff before joining WHO Radio and then the, the Register. So there was a quite a long gap between being 70, or 1974 and 1992, when Tom decided to run. We were both in very different orbits. He was United States Senator, and I was a, a columnist for the Register. But when that call came, did I want to go to work on that campaign, my first thought was, Absolutely! I mean, how many times do you know someone who's running for the presidency? And of course then there's the, you know, the, the head kicks in. And uh, there I was with a single parent with uh, health care and a salary and a 401k. And so then that voice in your head says, maybe you better not. And I thought, well, I'll seek advice. That's our topic tonight. And I talked to lots of people, people I admired, people I respected, along with the freest free spirits I know. And everyone said, don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) My mother was afraid I was having another nervous breakdown. Then I thought, you know, I'm going to see what Dorothy has to say. Now, Dorothy Cunningham was an astrologer and a card reader. (laughs) Dorothy lived in a one-bedroom apartment over a garage just north of Ingersoll on 39th Street. She was my advisor on all things. (laughs) So I went over to Dorothy's and I walked up the creaky wooden stairs to her magical place. It's the kind of place where beaded curtains separate the main living room from the bedroom. Her walls were painted purple swirls and there were little symbols of the moon and the sun and the stars all over. And I'm going to ask her about joining a presidential campaign. (laughs) Well, Dorothy didn't think that was odd at all. (laughs) So she said, well, let's see what the cards say. And she told me to shuffle the cards. And we held hands and prayed to Mother, Father, God to, you know, reveal thy will. And I was told to put seven cards face down, which I did. And then it was Dorothy's turn to interpret what the cards were saying about this decision. She flipped over the first one. Bam. She said, well, that's not so good. (laughs) Well, we have six more to go. (laughs) She flipped over the next one. Ooh, now there's a challenge. Okay, third one. Well, that's the card of death. <laughs> but, says Dorothy, death card can mean rebirth. So I thought, well, whew. okay. Anyway, it kept going like that until we got to the last card, and she turned it over, bam. Deep breath, and Dorothy says, well, if you do decide to quit your job and go to work on this campaign, it will work out eventually. Well, that's all I needed, eventually. (laughs) Okay, all right, let's go. So that's what I did. I quit my job (laughs) as a Des Moines Register columnist, best job in the whole world, and went off to join a Harkin presidential campaign that ended in six weeks. (laughs) Bam! Okay, so there's that. All right, now what am I going to do? Well, I better um, sell my house, and I can't really afford Montessori tuition and a mortgage when I'm kind of unemployed. So I sold the house. Bam. Um, I started Central Iowa's first news and information internet site in 1992. (laughs) And I didn't have too long to figure out that There was, um, well, let's just say I'm a little ahead of my time sometimes. (laughs) Anyway, I tried various entrepreneurial things. um, And some worked out and some didn't. Then we're entering the phase of the new millennium. The near 2000 was approaching. And that is when I reconnected with the man who is now my husband, and things started looking up. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Um, Richard Gilbert uh, talked me into, well, he's talking into, that's probably not the right term. Um, he suggested that I would make a good vintage chair. Well, what's a vintage chair? Well, a vintage chair works with CEOs and, you know, gives them counsel and facilitates meetings once a month. And I thought, well, I wonder how they'd feel about Dorothy being on my speed dial. (laughs) 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 But Richard saw something in me that I certainly didn't see in myself. And so I decided to go through chair training and prove him wrong. And um, turns out, I discovered in chair training that to be a business coach, the best thing to do is to ask a lot of questions. They don't want your answers. <laughs> they want you to ask them questions. And I can do that. So I passed chair training. I became a chair. I built a group in uh, Annapolis, Maryland, and Baltimore, and then ultimately Chicago, where we lived. We retired as Visty's chairs right before COVID hit in 2020. And that's when we moved back to Des Moines. I'm real glad to be back in Des Moines, actually. (laughs) Yeah. But I will say, those 20 years, 30 years of not living here, I wouldn't change at all. I was able to live on the Chesapeake Bay— I learned to sail, I started doing paintings of people's boats on nautical charts and it's rather amazing what people will pay to have a painting of their boat on a nautical chart. (laughs) Some people have too much money. Anyway, where am I going with this? Advice, okay, that's where I'm going with this. Um, Had I not made this decision 30 years ago, I wouldn't know what it would be like to hold the helm of a sailboat hundreds of miles offshore in a midnight watch when everything is black except for the stars sparkling in the sky. I did that. I did that. And all you can hear is the sound of the boat moving through the water and a little bit of the flapping of the sails. That's just one thing I can't imagine not having experienced at this point. I did a number of entrepreneurial things. I think... The tough times I had financially, I actually know what it was like to be living near the poverty level and have your refrigerator conk out. That kind of feeling of knowing, experiencing what it's like to be living those that close to the edge, I think was in a real gift for me. It deepened my empathy. It made poverty more than just an issue. It made it real. And again, that was a real gift. So, I'm not here to advise you, (laughs) especially after you've heard that story. (laughs) But I do think when we are faced with difficult decisions, if you ask yourself two questions, it might be helpful. The first question is What's the worst thing that could happen if I take this path? And the next question is What would I be missing in life if I didn't take this path? So for me, I have no regrets, other than maybe coming up here tonight. No. <laughs> Seriously, I have no regrets I would make the same decision that I did 30 years ago for all of the reasons I just told you. We don't know what is going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen if we don't make changes. It's all unknown. Maybe, maybe it's just all in the cards. Bam!